Welcome to Cardboard Philosophy, the board game podcast where we talk about nothing serious, seriously. Each episode, we randomly pick from a list of niche, deep board game topics and have at it. So we invite you to join us at the table, listen in on our conversations, and let us know what you think. This is episode nine of Cardboard Philosophy, a board game podcast. We got Robert and Evan. What's going on, guys? How's it going? Good. It's good to know we're a board game podcast. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, yes. Keep I was short. waiting for the sharp pivot into film discussion, but I guess that's next week. Next week. Let's roll our little die and see what we're going to talk about. Uh, 29. So that is what is player interaction? And that's an Evan topic. So I've seen a couple of discussions around stuff like multiplayer solitaire. I've mentioned that term in the past myself. And, you know, we've talked a lot at length about interaction and how we prefer interactive games. But I was kind of thinking, how can you quantify that? And at what point does something stop being multiplayer solitaire or start to become multiplayer solitaire? Because you can't just say, well, you know, all Euros are multiplayer solitaire because you have games like Terra Mystica or Barrage which while don't necessarily have direct player interaction, I would argue are fairly interactive games. And then kind of taking a more meta look at that sort of conversation, we talk a lot about weight within the hobby and kind of rating things from, you know, one, which is the easiest type of game to learn or play to a five. Is there a way that you could potentially do that with interaction in a game? Cool. What will be interesting is are differences in what we would call direct player interaction because you mentioned Barrage and Terra Mystica and I would say those both have direct player interaction. So we already disagree on what that means. Um, you said multiplayer solitaire several times and I think we generally, like we know what we mean by that, I think, but I think it's worth kind of defining for anybody who doesn't know the phrase or just for our own sake of dissecting uh, as to philosophize on it. So obviously by that you mean it's generally like you have your own board, you're maybe at best like drafting or somehow interacting a little bit to like get your things, but then you're kind of putting it on your board or you're building your own little tableau or something that really doesn't interact much, right? Yeah, I, I think a good example of a multiplayer solitaire game is if you didn't have any of the players there, you were the only person playing, it wouldn't affect the game state you would still be you know doing what you were doing anyway the other players aren't really affecting that that is also how how i would quantify interaction by the way i think like the subjective piece of interaction so how interactive a game feels to a given individual is how much am i thinking about what my opponents are doing when i'm playing like how does that affect my decisions because some people could be totally ignoring what i'm doing and for them the game feels more solitaire while i'm really analyzing their moves and to me it's very interactive um, and then the objective side of that is how much can my opponents actually like realistically affect my score or whatever my win condition mm -hmm. is, whether or not I'm actually using that to my advantage, how much can they truly affect me? That might be easier to measure. Yeah, I'm almost thinking of it like the difference between like kind of what you just said, Evan, like if I was alone and I was just playing the game by myself, how different is that from when you start introducing people? Like that difference <laughs> kind of seems like where I'm starting to think about a measurement or what I would be looking at maybe. So one thing that I have noticed is a lot of games that I would call multiplayer solitaire. So I'll use wingspan as an example of that because you basically have a tableau. You're going to score points off of your tableau. 
you do have a form of player interaction in that there's a card market, which other players can purchase from. And you do have some birds that will trigger effects that will affect other players. So like, I'll either steal food from you, I'll give you food, something like that. Despite there being that level of interaction though, where I could potentially be stealing something that you need, I don't quantify that as being an interactive game because I don't necessarily know that you need that card unless I'm really focusing on your tableau. And what I'm interested in is how we then delineate that and at what point do we cross over the line into an interactive game? Because technically there is interaction in something like a wingspan, even though I wouldn't personally call it an interactive game. So in a way, I almost feel like how readable is your state from where I'm sitting might, I don't know how much of a factor that is, but I feel like that's kind of part of what you're saying. Like if I can just glance over and be like, oh, clearly I can take that thing and it'll, that's what you need. You, like if it's like basic set collection and I can just glance and say, oh, you have four red ones, one more and you would have a full set. I'm going to stop you. Like that's easy to see. I think that that's maybe more like direct versus in- indirect as opposed to like interaction versus non-interactive because I think the difference of direct and indirect is that direct means I am taking this red card because I know Steve wants it and thus it hurts Steve. So the outcome is that it hurts Steve. And then in the indirect version, I am taking this red card because I want it and thus it hurts Steve. So the outcome is the same, like Steve is still hurt. So I've interacted with him, so to speak. But in version A, it was directly, purposefully towards slash against him. And in version B, it was happenstance. And I think that's how people tend to use the direct versus indirect thing. And I think readability makes a game more open to direct interaction. And if there's not good readability, then most of the interaction will probably be indirect if there is any at all. Which I think would layer into the multiplayer solitaire nature of it is you're so invested in what you are doing that the advantage of starting to read into what somebody else is doing doesn't necessarily benefit you enough to loot like to to segment your brain into okay this is what steve's doing this is what i'm doing you're not getting enough return on investment for that brain energy to take the focus off of your board the readability point that steve brought up earlier is actually really interesting because imagine a game where you're climbing tracks and Either there's a central board with the tracks and we each have a player piece climbing up those tracks or we each have those tracks printed on our boards and we are climbing them Mm -hmm. and they operate identically. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that I'm looking in a central space to see what and and I can immediately see what you're doing because by like looking at my um, results, I am seeing your results inadvertently that that would make me feel different or play differently or think differently than if it was all locked into my player board, even if the mechanics are identical. So something that's non-mechanical can change your approach and thus the feel of the game from feeling directly interactive to indirectly or not at all. It's also funny how in that example, I feel like it would be way more of a, a race in the, you know, if you're all in the same space, you're all racing, you're all, you're, you know, you're versus if you're in different areas, you're building or something, <laughs> you know, you're trying to, you're racing up a track, yeah. but you can't even see the other person really. So like thematically you would be less inclined to, feel like you should be looking at where other people are maybe even yeah well that kind of goes back to the terra mystica example that we started off with which is a game where you're kind of transforming the land around you to be more hospitable to your specific race 
Um, you're charging little bowls with different abilities. And then there is a central track, which has four different subtracks to it that everyone is moving up. If those tracks were on your player board, it probably would feel significantly less interactive. But I do kind of want to circle back, Robert, where you were saying that our base definitions of interaction are going to be different based on using those as examples. Yeah, I mean, I think it's because I consider blocking direct interaction, maybe because of my play style. Like if there's a board with limited spaces and we are racing, so to speak, to get to those spaces, I will purposefully like choose spaces to block other people or think about what would be worse for you. But I could see somebody not doing that. So maybe maybe this is the subjective part of that definition, how we we approach the same game differently. I think I do that too, but even then, like when I'm thinking direct interaction, I think I'm thinking of it more in the sense of something like a war game where I am targeting you directly and it's more targeted where I feel like there's room for little oops moments where I'm going to put my workers here. I'm going to take this action. I might not have realized you needed that action, but like the fact that I am blocking you, oh, that's kind of a nice little perk for me doing that. But you could obviously play at full contact where, you know, this action isn't necessarily going to be the most beneficial to me right now, but I'm going to take it anyway because I know it's going to hurt at least Robert, possibly also hurt Steve because it looks like he might also want to do this. I think it depends on the game. Like if you doubled the number of worker placement spots in what's considered a tight game like Barrage, which has a worker placement mechanism and there's lots of blocking there because the spots are so limited. But if you like doubled them, then the game would feel way less um interactive and it's almost like because there's there are so few spaces especially on like the best actions you can't help but need to think about when others want those actions mm-hmm. while if there were just simply more spaces you wouldn't have to think about it so much so like the same mechanism worker placement with blocking feels much more interactive if there's fewer spaces could we say that what makes something interactive is the scarcity of the action economy it can definitely influence. I don't know if that's what makes it, you know, I'll bring up, let's say like party games, right. You know, like you're guessing words or something to me, that's very interactive. I have to think about who I'm saying my clues to. I have to think about what the word is, what's going to get them to say that to me, that feels pretty interactive. Scarcity creates kind of competitive interaction. Competitive even sounds like the the wrong word. Maybe like race, like a race kind of interaction, like one kind of interaction we might consider a race, right? I think we could all agree mm-hmm. that would be like a subset of interactivity. Racing to be the first to do a certain thing, to be at a certain place. And like when it comes to worker placement, it's a race to get the actions you want. But there's other kinds of interaction too, like the party game ones that Steve is talking about. There's no race there. I mean, there could be, yeah. but, you know, in something like code names, there's no race. Um, so, but it's still interactive. So I think we might even want to talk about what the different types of interaction are. And this whole time, I think we were talking about the race type of interaction. I mean, I think a race kind of is inherent to a lot of board games where it's like the first to X points wins or whoever has the most, sure. whoever gets the furthest up the track when, you know, X happens. So to me, that's kind of a classic. Yeah, but I mean, I think combat interaction or conflict interaction, maybe we could call it negative interaction, like where I remove a thing you built, I remove one of your units, I remove one of your buildings. Hmm. That kind of interaction, I think people describe as more direct than you would find in any 
kind of dudes on a map slash war game where you're literally killing it's not like it's a, there's a race for me mm. to be the first one to kill you it just so happens that it benefits me to directly harm you like right. to reduce what you've done mm. while the race interaction i'm not like pushing you back i'm just moving up more forward than you so to speak so it feels more friendly that's kind of interesting like in your example earlier where we're all either racing up our individual tracks or a central track um if we're say like just in a basic goofy example if we're just like rolling dice and moving up the track we're not actually interacting with each other like nothing i am doing is affecting what you're doing right but like just the fact that we're on this track together kind of feels like we're doing something together we're racing up this track together guys you know like um so i don't know that's i don't know that that has anything to do with the classifying of different types that's just something that came to me i think it does like if one of those die faces was move an opponent's track back one Mm -hmm. as opposed to all the die faces being move yourself up then you have entered i think another realm of interaction which i don't know what we're going to call it yet but i would suggest conflict interaction or, or combat interaction yeah i mean if the di- if the thing is move somebody back one that's kind of like reduce their health or something it's it's yeah. it's a negative it's we're still on a racetrack but it has a negative like take that e you know hey you your progress is now <laughs> set back mm-hmm. somehow now that we have kind of thrown the race thing out there i do think even games that don't necessarily have tracks but just kind of change the way the timing considerations go. So like a trick-taking game, for example, is probably going to be directly interactive to a degree because you are forcing other people to either play higher or lower than you are, but the timing of when to play what card is the essence of those trick-taking games. So even though it's not necessarily a traditional and conventional race, you're still taking the timing aspect of a race and changing it so it's more considering when you want to like put the pedal to the metal when you don't. It's not a race, but it's still about tempo somehow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so tree-taking games are ones where everybody has a hand of cards, somebody plays a card and has a suit, and often other players have to play a card to the same suit. So it's almost like consequential interaction like what you can do is a consequence of what i did like i am actively lowering your options Mm -hmm. or changing your options you know yeah i like that i don't i don't know what to call it but i think that's different than a race and it's different than combat it's like another type where what i do dictates what you can do so like in in action drafting games where there's like um a set of actions in the table like rising sun or something and i pick an action i get to do it but so does everybody else Mm. but maybe like a weaker version of it that's very interactive Mm -hmm. because i need to consider what you're doing and why you're doing it and when you'd want to do something um and i didn't fight you i didn't race you so i think we've uncovered a third one have we officially added to the list i'm thinking of like the sort of creative clue giving type of thing that's in a lot of party games or things like that where it's you're trying to get them to guess a word or to say you know like to think of something or to or or what what about something like you know your classic like pictionary or a drawing game where you're trying to get a group to guess something based on a charade or a drawing or a phrase or something you're giving them those all feel the same ballpark of clue giving trying to figure out how other people think kind of thing deductive interaction oh okay I'm going to let you try to argue that that's a different type of interaction because I actually think that's a permutation on race interaction. Because if you think about code names, um, code names is a game where you have two teams. Uh, each team has a code giver. So they're going to say a word 
and you have to get as many clues right based on that word. But if you get like one, uh, like some of the words are going to be for the other team, some of the words are just going to be null words, and then one word on the board will just lose you the game instantly. Right. I would argue it's a permutation on race because there is a ticking clock of the other team, and the more clues that you can get right each round, the faster you will win. Whereas if you're letting the other team get ahead of you, you will lose. I don't and I think the same thing, I, I've never played like uh, Mysterium or something, but isn't there a ticking clock in that as well? Sort of. I don't know if it's like a subset or if it's just that that's a combo, right? Like it has yeah. a bit of the race where you're in two teams and you're racing for points in some way, but you also are interacting in this deductive clue giving kind of way. I am with Steve. I think that you could totally have a game that doesn't have the race, like just one. Just one is fully cooperative, and it has yeah. that same kind of deductive interaction, but there's no race. So I think Codenames is a combo. And I think races are always comboed with something. Yeah, true. So we got race interaction, combat interaction, consequential interaction. This sounds so pretentious. I hate it. <laughs> uh, and deductive interaction. Uh, what else? What other kinds of interaction have we seen in games? Hmm. Is blocking interaction? Ah, but that's that's kind of like coming out of race, right? Like in a game where you have a hex grid and you're fighting for spots like through the desert, like we are racing towards getting something. And so me blocking you feels different than just us racing towards it, but it's ultimately in service of me beating you in the race. You know, it's like tripping you during the race kind of or putting an obstacle in your way. If you thought this was pretentious before, wait till I hit you with symbiotic interaction. Ooh. So like I'm thinking sentence, of, kind of exactly games where your actions are directly going to benefit other players and you are trying to benefit yourself more by creating a game state in which they will have to use your stuff. Is that not consequential? That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> but may maybe consequential is too broad. Maybe that's the problem. But I'm thinking of something like brass where okay. you are trying to create a state where people are going to have to use your iron mine or a game like the great Zimbabwe where you are building like little routes and you're building um, little craftsmen and you're going to put those in positions where people have to use your craftsmen, which is going to mean you're going to get more cows, which is mean you're going to have more cows or money in that game, which is going to mean that you're going to have a more advantageous position in the future because of what you're doing. It, it probably is close to consequential interaction is there anything inconsequential that isn't covered by that that we meant by consequential they feel different so like if i'm thinking about consequential as trick taking when mm. you take an action it limits the number of actions mm. i can take okay. or yeah. which actions i can take. right 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 that right. feels different than than you trying to get me to do something that helps us both but i don't have to like consequential in the trick taking sense is very limiting it's very rigid it's like i cannot play off suit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as opposed to it would be like a, a, a symbiotic trick-taking game would be we can you can play the same suit as me but you don't have to but if you do we both get a point mm -hmm. like then it would become symbiotic where like i yeah. have more freedom i have more choice i'm choosing to join engage in this relationship with you mm. while a consequential is more rigid so i think they're different i think we can have two categories i feel like there might be a tiny bit of overlap like if I move myself ahead, it like there's 
consequences. I don't know. It, it, it just something about it feels kind of related, but I do think that there's a difference that's worth like defining there. So, so I think yeah. the definition of symbiotic would be it's a shared board state in which you're not playing a cooperative game, but it has the trappings of that because your actions are going to help out somebody else flat out. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think a trick taking game. If you're bad at a trick-taking game, your actions will help somebody else out, but you're not necessarily doing that by default, whereas a symbiotic one is you need the other players in order to function because you won't be able to, like, you could not set up an engine yourself. There's not enough actions. There's not enough resources to go around. So my iron mine is essential for you to win, mm -hmm. I think is how I would define symbiotic is another player is essential because one single player cannot do everything well enough to carry themselves to victory. They need other people to get there. Yeah. So then it feels like what we were saying, calling consequential and maybe we still are, it, it's, it's more about kind of like limiting or something. Whereas the symbiotic is about like, we're going to be bringing somebody else with us. Yeah. Limit, limit or determine. Cause like in an action draft, it's always good. Like, when I take an action and you get like a secondary weaker version of it, it's good for you. Like maybe you would have preferred I'd done the move instead of the recruit action mm -hmm. or whatever, but you get to do something off your turn. I think it's more about the rigidity. Yeah. Like you have to do the move action. You have to play on suit as opposed to you can. And if you do, it helps us both. Like something about it is, is more nice in the symbiotic. And I think symbiotic is a good word for that because you don't have to engage in that relationship if you don't want to. Mm -hmm what is the interaction in social deduction games? Because that feels like a very different kind of interaction, like mm. where I'm lying to you or being honest to you and you think I'm doing the opposite. Is that one of the ones we've covered? I mean, it has the word deduction in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think we may have covered it with the deductive, right? right? Like the way you... Deducing what other people are thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little different than like, I'm going to give you a word and try to get you to guess something versus I'm going to like withhold or try to like right. only give you a very tiny little bit or um, I don't know, something like maybe like decrypto starts to get a little interesting because you're trying to give your team words, but you're trying to not give the other team words. So, and you're trying to like deduce what the other team's doing, right? Like there's a little bit of different types of deduction going on so I, th I think these all are vague or not vague uh large categories yeah. that there's going to be different flavors of them for sure and and different combos yeah. right like, these are the primary colors of interaction you need to mix them together to get yeah. your tertiary colors i mean we got five so right like five five, five is, is the, the magic number <laughs> but I, I feel like i feel like there has to be more like I'm trying to think of categories of games we haven't touched, like two-player games, like two-player head-to-head games. Do those have anything that we haven't talked about? Negotiation, would that be deductive? Negotiation's too? a good one. Like, Yeah, that feels... Like, what kind of interactions in a negotiation game? That's hard, because I want to say it's combative, but it's not. <laughs> it can feel combative, which is why I love a good negotiation game, but it's Ooh. not. It's not. It's a little deductive, but then you're also what? You're you're it it I feel like Persuasive. it also has yeah. It has a little of the shared like the symbiotic thing or yeah. sort of something going on where it's like, well, I'll give you a little something, but I'm going to get something and I hope that that ultimately is better for me, you know, in some long run way. Maybe it's just like explicit symbiotic interaction. Like in in brass, I don't 
say like, hey, use my coal and get five bucks and then we do it. It's like you have to take the action in game, which could be done totally silently. Yeah. But kind of the same thing is happening. Like I'm putting it out there in a nice place for you and hoping you do it. So maybe they're similar. Although I, I do think that there's something fundamentally different about how we feel when we play those two types of games. Mm-hmm. Like a, a game that could be silently symbiotic versus has to be spoken, you know, like negotiation games or something persuasive. It's like, it's another part of, it's another kind of interaction. It feels much more personal than something like brass. Or it mixes in that deduction of trying to understand what do I think they need? Like what what can I offer them that they'll agree to this that yeah. won't be, will won't be better for them ultimately, but that they'll agree yeah. to, right? Like it's it's a different, I don't know if it's just like a combo yeah. or a different type or a subset or its own thing. Yeah, it feels like it's taking from the, like at least two others on this list, but I kind of feel like it's its own unique thing because to your point, Robert, I don't think I would go into a negotiation game the same way that I would go into a game of like the Great Zimbabwe. I, I would not say to Stephen, hey, could you uh, please build your hub there because I really want to use it next turn. I would probably be sitting there saying, please don't build it there because I wanted to build it there on my turn. Uh, yeah, but yeah, the, the, I think this is a good five. Race, com- combative, I guess. Consequential, deductive, symbiotic. Seems good to me. And persuasive, the secret sixth. All right, do we do our favorite games for each type of interaction or (laughs) the game that hits the most like the most interactive game because it hits the most of these five i mean that's what we did last time or do we do our favorite form of interaction and the game that best exemplifies that but i couldn't pick one i I think ideally i have all five i probably do too but i don't think anyone wants to sit here and listen to us go through 15 (laughs) games with a closet oh i have one game that hits all five and it's my favorite game of all time so it's easy i'm gonna get my ding right no ding ding. all right we'll try to think it's our first dingless episode we can try to think of like maybe the one that we can think of that hits the most or our favorite that hits the most or something something like that you'll know when you see it right robert already has his so i already have mine all right let's see here let's yeah I, i think i do too Oh gosh. Okay, hold on. <laughs> maybe we can do. Maybe we can do two. Just because I, I would feel bad not not doing a dinger this this episode. I need a dinger every episode. So, I think Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition has all five of these, and there's not even there's no question. Race yeah. interaction. Uh, it is a race to ten points to win. So there's that. Combat interaction. You roll tons of dice to fight each other. Consequential interaction. It has the action draft. Where when somebody takes an action, everybody else gets to do a weaker secondary action. Uh, deductive and symbiotic, I think those combine in the negotiations of the game. Mm-hmm. You are constantly creating alliances and breaking them and trying to figure out if your deal makes sense or not. And that's just those two. Um, and then my second place, kind of because I want to shout it out, and, but mostly because I do think it has a lot of these, is Taj Mahal. Ding. Uh, which is a, <laughs> a dinger. Uh, race interaction you are essentially doing this weird bidding with cards trying to have the most of a certain symbol when you choose to pass during your bid and so it feels like you are racing to have the most like if i see you have three elephants i'm trying to race and get up to have more elephants than you And, and also you're putting pieces on a map and just because of that there's a limited number of spaces for your pieces so we're racing to get the spaces we want 
consequential interaction. Yeah, I don't I don't think it has consequential though because you can never force me to play anything mm. or not play something. So it doesn't have consequential or combat. Oops. But it does have deductive and symbiotic, I think, in heaps. So I need to understand precisely what you want to know if I should stay in the bidding for it or not. Because it's not one of those games where if I bid five bucks and I lose, I keep my five bucks. Any card that I bid, I lose. So I need to understand what everybody wants so that I'm not entering a race that I'm just you know, destined to lose. And then it has symbiotic interaction, I think, in a very clever way, which is that whenever somebody drops out, they choose to pass, they check if they have the most uh, of a symbol. And let's say me and you were tied and you dropped out. Well, now when it wraps around to my turn, I have the most of that symbol. And so if I drop out, then I actually win it because I'm not tied for first anymore. I have Mm -hmm. explicitly the most. And so you can kind of benefit me by dropping out early. So I might say like, or I, I mean, we might kind of secretly be playing in a way where I'm not putting out elephants because I'm kind of hoping or asking you to not play, you know, another symbol. And then we can, we can work out like our timing of dropping out. So that's Taj Mahal. I think it doesn't have all five, but I think it has three of these categories and in interesting different ways. It's not your classic race. It's not your classic deduction. Yeah. It's not your classic symbiosis. It's very unique uh, interaction. Mine, I don't think covers all five, but I'm going to try to justify it. And that is Inish, I think. Um, It's got race in that you're trying to be the first to six of one of three different qualifiers. Um, It has combat in a very unique way in that when you trigger combat, it's everyone is involved in the combat. It's not against one specific player. And it's fatalistic, which just means like someone you will either lose a card, which is your uh, action selection mechanism, or you will lose a dude on the map, um, and then it's going to go to the next person. They're going to decide do they you know attack, and then like everyone can decide we're just going to stop this fighting. Uh, but if one person wants to keep going, you keep going around and around and around until the combat's over. Um, there is consequence to it in drafting and in some of the selections. Um, I don't think it's as symbiotic as I would like it to be uh, for this purpose. You do kind of benefit from people having um, units in certain areas if you're there. I think I'm stretching my own category on this a little bit, but uh, (laughs) I'll allow it because I'm making the rules. Uh, And then I think the other one I'm going to throw out there is probably Age of Steam because I think you have a lot of this sort of stuff. Mm. The combat in that is not necessarily a direct combat. I'm attacking you, but you can certainly steal stuff out from under people. There is symbiosis in that you can use my rails. I will get money for it, but you can use them. And some maps actually require you to use opponent's rails when you're delivering goods. It's a pick up and deliver game. So you're picking up cubes, delivering them for points. Uh, And the points is also income. So the more points you're getting, the more money that you have to do stuff with. Uh, The only thing I don't think either one of those games covers super well is deductive interaction. Um, I guess you could argue there's negotiation in Inish. Um, So we'll say that that does cover all five. I think my first one that I want to call out is we brought up Moonrakers last time. So I will bring up Veiled Fate because it does not have all five, I don't think. But I do think that it has interesting flavors of a lot of these um race i mean you're you're trying to go up the track you're trying to get points i, I yeah. don't know if it has a lot of that 
Um, combat, not so much. I mean, you can kind of reduce other yeah, people's. Yeah. You can reduce anybody that you know is not yours and down the track. So that's definitely has some of it. Um, consequential, not really. Not in the way that like a trick taker where like I can do something and it forces you to do something. I mean, I can definitely make kind of force you into certain situations, but just the way that any game mm-hmm. has consequences, you know, deductive. I think you're definitely trying to figure out what other people are doing, why they're doing it. You're trying to watch, you know, just exactly which things they move where and trying to figure out what's what, especially if you're on teams, you know, trying to figure out who's on your team. Um, I think, like I said, it's just a cool flavor of this type of interaction. And then symbiotic, same thing. You, especially when you have the teams involved, you have six or more players, you might be moving somebody else up. You don't really know if you are, you hope you're not, or you're just trying to make sure you're up enough. But I I don't know. I think there's just like this really cool interaction going on that I don't think, uh, I I think it's pretty unique. Um, And and I do think it hits quite a few of these. It's almost accidentally symbiotic at times. Like yeah, all, all yeah. of Evan's example were like purposely symbiotic, but that one is accidentally. You accidentally could help somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I think I like about it. It's that's or yeah, it's unique. Like I said, the thing I like about that game from a accidental symbiosis standpoint. So like everybody is assigned a role at the start of the game, but nobody. It's not public, so it's private, and you're basically just moving people like different uh, figures up a score track. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is there's always going to be one that isn't manned. But you can have situations where if someone is playing it smart enough, everyone thinks that that one is the non-manned one. And it can be like well ahead in first place, but everyone's just assuming, oh, well, you know, it's not going to score because it's in first place and like no one's actually controlling it. And then you can kind of see people's eyes glaze over as they go, oh, crap, that actually is a player, but it's too late. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the quick little breakdown, too. And then the other one. Uh, and this might just be the hotness that I'm just into it or thinking of it, but I'm going to bring up Thunder Road Vendetta. <laughs> um, I do think it has a lot of this interaction. It's very clearly a race. I mean, it's quite literally yeah. on a road, cars, combat. Oh my gosh, does it have combat? Um, that's It's just kind of made of just throwing, shooting each other and hitting each other and banging around. Um, it's... Again, consequential, not so much. I can't really force your hand very much. You're limited by the dice you roll, but that's not something you're doing to another player. Um, so it doesn't have that either. Deductive, not so much. You're just racing. Everything's pretty much bare on the table. Um, and then symbiotic. Again, this one's almost like accidental. Um, it has just this kind of kooky mechanic where anytime you run into somebody else, you just kind of roll a die and then one of the two of you will move in some direction. And it's more likely that it's the person on the bottom, like the person that you moved into the space of. But it just could send them going in some direction that you can't account for. And sometimes you end up helping them and sending them way up ahead and they just bounce off of something else and end up even further ahead. And so I know there's just all kinds of goofy, goofy interactions that happens that to me outweigh maybe some, it's, it's a very random game, um, but it's just so fun to watch what happens that. Yeah. Again, a unique flavor of some of these types of interaction or just so much, just heaping (laughs) stuff down that it's, it's just, it's fun. I guess that's, that's that, right? I think so. That's the episode. That's our thoughts on the different types of player interaction and the way that we would categorize them, at least if you asked us off the top of our heads. We'll see you around next time, wherever you're listening to this, probably. And you can always drop us a line at cardboardphilosophypod at gmail.com. And yeah, hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Play some games. Play some games.